Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Conflict Managed is a podcast about toxic work environments and how to fix them. Today on Conflict Managed, we are visited by Lisa Smart, a national motivational speaker and author of six books. Our show today focuses on the best boss Lisa has ever had, Mrs. Golden. Mrs. Golden was an amazing woman who was deeply involved in her community and showed Lisa what real leadership looks like. In addition to being the best boss Lisa ever had, Mrs. Golden is her mother. Welcome to Conflict Managed. We're here with Lisa Smart. Lisa, how are you doing today? Doing great, Mary. Thank you for having me. We're so glad that you're here. Well, let's just start by jumping right in. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your work history? Uh, Yes, like a lot of people, I've worked since I was a teenager, uh, hopefully making a little more now in my late 50s than when I was a teenager. But yes, I started, you know, worked like a typical teenager, worked uh, babysitting and then went on through. And then about 22 years ago, something unusual happened. I spoke at an event that started a whole tumble. We'll talk more about that later. Of Now I'm an independent business owner with a speaking business. But uh, I worked a lot of other jobs before that. And some, as most people, have fantastic stories of bosses and then others maybe kindly less than fantastic. So that's the story of where I am now. And now I'm in my late 50s, still working, but kind of wrapping some things up. We'll see. In addition to being a speaker, you're also a writer. Is that correct? Yes, that's, that's well, theoretically, yeah, a writer is a writer, I guess, all of their lives. But yes, it's been a while since my books came out. But yes, I am a writer. Uh, I have a fiction series called Doug and Carly about a small town and all the small town characters. And yes, that was a joy uh, to write. So yes, that's right. I guess writer and speaker. Thank you, Mary, for reminding (laughs) me of my identity. Well, <laughs> it's always good to have someone who can remind you, especially when you're in your late fifties of what you've done. Well, they are excellent books. I have read them. And of course you have two nonfiction books um, that come yes. from your writing in a local newspaper. Right. Absolutely. Well, great. So are we going to just talk about some of your experiences working? So why don't we start with your, some of your best experiences? Have you had an experience that stands out the most to you? in your work life? Yes. And this is going to be really kind of not a normal story, but, um, but it's really by far the best. And I want to be very intellectually honest and tell you the very best boss I've worked under. When I was growing up, my mom, when she would get a job within a few years, she would be the supervisor. I, I was always fascinated by this. When she was a social worker, She started out as a social worker, but then she was the leader of the whole region. And then as teachers and then as a working at a children's home, she was soon the uh, the manager, the the custodian, the person who was over the children's home. 
And people would say to me as a child, wow, your mom is the best person to work for. She's so great. But as a child, I don't care. I care if we're stopping at Dairy Queen on the way home. You know, I don't care that my mom evidently has some kind of superpower when it comes to being a supervisor. But then fast forward on into my 20s after I'd done some college, I had to return back to Texas and I needed a job for a period of about a year. And I, my mom actually hired me to work at the children's home where she was a supervisor. And I thought, wow, okay, I'm going to be able to work under the person that people have said is such a good supervisor. And during that time, I saw exactly what they were talking about. Mary, it was unbelievable. When she first met with me, very professional, I sat across from her in a room. She gave me the job description and she said, this is what we need you to do. We need you to, you know, she was very clear. Okay, this is now, I guess, in my mind, point number one of a great supervisor, absolute clarity of what we're hiring you and asking you to do. There's no question. There's no absolute clarity of what we need from you. And then she was also very like, you can always come into my office if you have a trauma. I was working with children. And so she knew there would be trauma related to that. So she said, when you have a trauma, you can always come in my office. And if I'm busy, I'll make sure that I find time. She was explaining this in detail, but not like a mother to a child, very much like the way I had heard that evidently she is as a, as a work boss. And then when things would go wrong and I would make mistakes, the way she would say, hey, let's meet tomorrow. And again, when part of her organizational brain, but with ultimate kindness, she would go over the part of my job description that I had forgotten or missed. And I remember another coworker who had worked for her for 10 years said, if Miss Golden fires you, then you've really volitionally chosen to not do the work because she came alongside you many times before and she gave people a lot of second chances. But it was weird because she had this really inane ability to be in authority over you. In other words, not buddy, buddy friends. We're not gossip. We're not talking about drama. She was very much in authority, but an extreme level of kindness. I'm for you as the person who's working here, but I'm also for our mission. So when you're not on our mission, I'm going to correct you. I'm going to bring corrective, you know, measures. I'm going to talk to you about it. And it was fascinating. The only way I can, looking back on it, the only way I can describe it is professionalism. Maybe that's a word we've overused. You know, like we say, oh, she's so professional. We don't even know what it means anymore. But to me, what it very much means is I love you as a person. I'm always going to be kind to you. I am so for you, but I'm also in authority too. And I'm for the mission. And if you were to jump ship on the mission, because I love you as a person, I'm not going to just let that go. I'm going to come back around and, let, and come alongside you. And she was not afraid to speak with people who had gotten off the mission. And it was just fascinating. So even now, I've worked for many, of course, as a contractor now, I work for many, many, many people during the year in very short bursts. But literally, I've never seen anybody do it better than she had done. And then after that, before I became a speaker, I worked for several people. And that'll be my negative experience, but it was <laughs> positive, so positive. Well, that is amazing. What a gift to have your mother yeah. who you heard all these things about and then to see it in practice. 
to right. have her as a role And I'll tell you another thing, too, that I think people don't talk enough about. It seems kind of a boring thing to say. And that's the idea of being so organized, of really being, she was an organizational genius. So when she met with me about the job, she wasn't just throwing out some things. Oh, no, she had my job description very organized. She very much understood the hours that I was able to work. It, you know, it, it sounds so tried, and again, it was overused, but uh, chaos produces chaos. So when you have chaos at the top, it flows down. And the other is also true. When you have order and love and professionalism at the top, it's more likely to flow down. And I, I watched that in living color. Wow. I mean, don't we all aspire to have bosses like your mother, oh, Mrs. Golden? Yes. I can see now why in every organization she moved up so quickly. Just very good. Yeah. Very hard worker. So knowing what you know now, and you look back on that year you spent with her as your boss, right. is right. there anything you would have done differently or um, taken from that experience I was in my 20s. Now, for any podcast listeners in 20s or in their 80s, there's a difference. Hopefully, as you get older, you begin to see things differently. I'm sure that during that period when I was in my 20s, I didn't understand how valuable it was. Probably not until I went out and had other professional jobs and worked under other supervisors and thought, oh, this is not the way it always is. Like, Um, so I guess that realization I had now, I never had like experiences where I walked out of a job, always have had good relationships, but in other professional jobs I had after that, I realized, oh, not everybody is, is like this. That's why I appreciate what you do, Mary, because you're trying to help the workplace become a place of more of love, kindness, professionalism, staying on mission, that's a huge job and that's wonderful. I think that's really insightful that a lot of times, I mean, we say that we don't know what we have until it's gone and it can go either way. It can be, we're in a dysfunctional environment and we don't see it until we get into a healthy one. And sometimes we don't see the health right in front of us um, because we haven't uh, had the other experience. Right. No, you're right. So you were going to tell us about some other experiences that weren't as healthy. Yeah. So then later on, I ended up in an office situation. Uh, It was a very good job. I very much liked the job. Um, I I was fascinated by the fact that my supervisor, and this again, it, it was just, I guess, because it was one of my first jobs after working for my mom. I was in my 20s still. Um, But I was fascinated by the fact that my supervisor did two things that I found were highly unusual. He participated in office drama and gossip, which I just like my head exploded because uh, my mom would have never been involved in like, for instance, she would have never said to me when we were in the meeting, Oh, let me tell you who I really can't get to work. I can't get that Henry to work. He's just like, Mom could have literally been getting ready to fire someone that day. It would have been impossible that she would have spoken aloud anything about him. To me, that would have just been a zero-sum game. Because if you're the leader, you have discretion, you have kindness, 
even if you're going to have to let somebody go, nobody else would even be in that drama. And so I had this supervisor that was crazy. He loved, I mean, I don't mean crazy as in like he was meant in any kind of mental thing. It was just so unusual because he loved the drama. He loved who was having marriage problems and who was doing this. And oh my gosh, did you hear that? And then one time when we were at work, he cat called somebody out the window you know, like, hey, I, we got, and I remember at that moment from both of those experiences thinking, okay, I have zero respect for you. I need the check and I'm going to keep coming in and I'm going to do my job and I'm never going to be verbally disrespectful to you. But I remember thinking, this is it. Like, I consider myself more professional than I do you because these kinds of behaviors Cat calling somebody from the window, being involved in office gossip or drama, which I hate. And as you know, part of my speaking, I speak a lot about gossip and how it destroys businesses, organizations, nonprofits. And when he was so engaged in this, I remember thinking, yeah, this this business is not going to go anywhere. And it didn't. I ended up leaving and moving to another state before it went out, but it didn't. It did not prosper. You know, that's um, interesting. I think a lot of people have that experience of the, the straw, you know, and sometimes a straw of when we leave an organization, we're still there physically and we're still, right. but in a way we're checked out. And no, you're right. Um, and that happens quite often. They say that people don't leave organizations. They leave bad managers. And oh, I'm sure that's true. Well, that's not 100% true, but it's more than often when you talk to people who have left from a bad experience, it's because somebody, usually a manager, maybe it could be another employee, made it so that it, it was an environment where they didn't want to be in anymore. Right. And when you right. lose respect for the person who is leading you, once that's gone, people start looking other places. And so your retention right. is hurt. And just, I'm sure you're still a stellar worker. But it, um, even, uh, even people with good work ethic, it affects you and your job performance sure. when you feel like this is a climate I don't want to be associated with. No, you're absolutely right. Because you don't, I mean, you give it your best, I guess, but you really don't feel like hitting a home run for the manager that you don't have respect for. So um, probably, honestly, I did an adequate job. But you're right. No, I, I'm not sure I really came in hitting a home run. And I think that that's, again, that's why it's so important what you do as far as workplace environment, because, yeah, I, I guess I really hadn't thought about it until replaying this in my mind that, um, yeah, it was very negative. It's very terrible because when he's telling me about Jolene's divorce, I'm thinking, what is he telling Jolene about me? This is a, an atmosphere of, of drama and uh, inefficiency and lack of love. So, yeah. So I think he hadn't been trained. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we have to look back and say, sometimes people move up the ladder and he was highly intelligent. He was very educated. But somehow he had never learned how to be a leader. I don't know. Why was that, Mary? How could he have moved up as high as he was and not be a professional leader? It's unfortunate, but it's the case that people get promoted usually because of their hard skills. So you know how to sell insurance. You know the okay. tech. You, you, you're the engineer who can figure out the right. problem. 
but it doesn't mean you have the soft skills, the people skills. And okay. even when we call it soft skills, we think not as important. And I, yes. would, I would want to say they're both equally important because if you don't have the tech right. and if you don't know how to know how to do the job, that's right. hard. I mean, you're not gonna be able to do it, but if you don't know how to manage people and um, inspire them and be a leader who comes alongside and helps everybody shine, uh, then yeah. that's just as damaging for the organization that we just haven't focused in on what it means and what it actually takes. And then build in the time every week to actually do the management skills. Working with people takes time. It just does. Yes. And let me tell you, as somebody who has been a public speaker for 22 years and has gone into a lot of businesses and nonprofits and, and done a lot of big events for businesses and nonprofits, I tell you, there's no doubt, Mary, that people have undersold the soft skills, and yet that is what's going to kill their business. Uh, I've told you, I've gone into places where, you know, maybe this huge law corporate office, and you think, man, they're killing it, man, they're making millions of dollars, they're good in the courtroom. But the drama or the yin yang, as I call it, in the office, all of this is literally going to cause them to lose a business that they're really good at doing. And so, yeah, I think, again, I go back, I mean, I'm not selling your product, but I mean, it, honestly, no matter how good the product is that we're selling, if we don't produce uh, an environment, a good workplace, um, man, I tell you, I've seen some nonprofits, big organizations that had big, long histories, but they get a person in leadership who's overly dramatic or doesn't want to listen to people or they're overly controlling, give it five years, maybe if it's a really great organization. And that's why you're right. It's so serious. The fact that they're able to do the fact that they're so good at their thing does not maintain longevity. You're right. You're absolutely right. Lisa, so when you think about this experience you had in this office with the gossiping and right. um, the cat call, uh, yes. Did you address it? Did you do anything about it at the time? No, I did what people probably almost always do, which is think in my own mind, wow, my boss is completely a jerk. <laughs> but then I just go on with my work, you know, I mean, like, hey, you know, I, I got to go on with my work. I'm not going to be here 30 years. I'm going to keep doing it. Now, now, fast forward me having all this experience for 22 years working with businesses, nonprofits, and me being 58 and much more vocal and verbal. Now I would have, and hear me say, I've learned this as I've gone through and actually talked to people about office workplaces. But now I would say, hey, can I meet with you this afternoon, you know, or after lunch, if I could come in? And I would have gone in his office and said, with great kindness, when you make comments to people, that are down the street or you know, whatever, this makes me have less respect for you. Now, to the extent that that's meaningful to you, I don't know. I can't control what's meaningful to you. But I want you to know that to me, that's very negative and it produces a negative environment. And then I guess the supervisor, you can explain this better than I can. I guess at that point, then the supervisor decides whether he cares about the way Lisa feels about the office environment. And I don't know, how would that normally go if somebody does, if somebody had said that to him, Mary, how would that go? 
Well, I mean, that's a very good question. When we tell somebody they're being unprofessional, my advice would be to say specifically, when you told me about Jolene's divorce, um, yeah. I felt uncomfortable because, tell me about that. What, what's going on? And you give the other person a chance to explain without them feeling automatically defensive. Oh, right. So if you were, okay, like say I had two problems. He's telling me all the gossip about Jolene and Sarah and Jim. And, and this makes me sad because I feel like he's telling my business to them. And then I also had the problem of the fact that he looked out the window and said, Hey, we're up here. And this was so, you know, like 16 year old. Okay. So you're saying rather than say, Hey, Mr. Smith, I just want you to know when you did those two things, it made me have lose respect for you to, because now I put him on the defense. Okay. That makes sense. What you're saying. When I say these events make me lose respect for you and feel like my work environment is not professional. Now I've told him you're a terrible supervisor and now he's got to, he's going to try to defend himself. Okay. So walk back through that with me and give me a great example of how I could have gone in there for those two scenarios and put him in a non-defensive position. Well, I think the first thing is right. Thinking about, specifically what's going on in the environment that's making it difficult for you to do your job, right? Okay. And trying to figure out, you know, what you can live with and, and what really is making it so that you're not being your brilliant self. And, mm-hmm. and going in and, and um, being open that you don't have all the facts, being open that there's another side of the story, being, you know, going in for an actual conversation. Uh, many times okay. by the time we're ready to confront somebody. We have so many feelings um, that we come in with the argument and being accusatory. But typically what we're going to get is just somebody arguing with us, defending themselves, um, especially when we've had time to really think about and process. And so trying to extend grace to that other person by being very specific, but not being um, inflammatory or using language that's going to make it hard for them to listen. I mean, it's this art of, you know, not stuffing your feelings. I'm Mm -hmm. very interested in clear and direct communication, but communication is such that helps that other person to be able to actually engage in a conversation. Yeah. Gives him a way to not be on defensive, but actually explain or to listen. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's hard. I know that you um, spend a lot of time talking with a 20 something, 20 something year olds. What kind of vision do you have for them as they move through their workplaces and they encounter bosses or coworkers that they either feel are toxic or are unprofessional? What kind of advice do you give them? Oh, wow. That's, that's a great question. Um, I think it goes back to things that are so simple. You and I, can talk about this, but things that are so simple, it almost seems like, oh, well, everybody knows that, but they don't. In other words, everybody would know not to talk about others, but they don't. Or everybody would know uh, to be respectful of your supervisor, but what's the difference? Where's the line between abuse? Here's what I find with 20-somethings. They have sometimes a hard time understanding what is just you know, a person who has frailties versus when somebody's coming after them. In other words, even now, I'm not sure that even now my mom, people wouldn't think, well, she just came back to me. 
No, I think she called you into her office and looked at your job description and said, see on number four, when we said that, see, that's what we need you to do every night at 6.30. And I think that what I would encourage them to do is what we feel sad that the supervisor probably is not in a position to do, and that is not be defensive, be open to learning. Um, and that takes a lot of humility. It means I don't know everything. I can be corrected. I think, I mean, I look at my mom's career and this is, this is helpful to the 20 somethings. There's actually career success related to this, like go in with the good attitude, uh, you know, be the person who's willing to do things and, and be cooperative. Don't complain about everything. Uh, don't be the person who cries wolf. It's okay to have a problem, but by the time you have a problem, make sure you hadn't had 180 little problems and now nobody cares. And so I think there's a balance there. You got to know how to do that. I don't know if that's easy to be explained, but, um, yeah, I guess the openness to learn and to be corrected. I'm not sure any of us have been taught the benefit of being corrected. Even if it's done in love, people get sometimes defensive. And so I guess we, um, that's what I would say to somebody who's 20 something. But Yeah, it sounds like your advice is really for all ages where we think right. about listening and being listened to. And when I think about a lot of social justice issues and, you know, people wanting to change or people wanting things to remain the same, I think if we could listen to one another, like what is really going on? What is the need behind um, what you're saying you want? And if we could mm -hmm. learn to listen to each other at work, that means I'm listening to my boss or my line manager, and they're also listening to me. Right. Having right. this open conversation that we can learn from one another, that we have different perspectives. Sometimes I may not understand why my boss is doing something. So I, instead of accusing them, I go listen. Um, mm -hmm. And the same thing, it goes the other way around. When my boss doesn't know why I'm coming in late, they ask, mm -hmm. and maybe I'm going through some personal trauma that I don't feel comfortable bringing to work. Maybe um, I'm having a health concern. Maybe right. I didn't realize that I had to be in at 830. No, that's know? right. Again, I, 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 this is again, this is so elementary, but I think it can't be said enough. The idea of having a really clear job description that's really clear so that then we all know a little more clearly rather than, well, you're going to be working for Jim and y'all just need to kind of do this. It's like, no, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you, especially people that are younger, I think we can't expect them to just sort of sense what we're trying to accomplish at our work. Here's the, here's what I loved about mom's job description was at the top is our overall job description. We want to make a wonderful and safe growing up environment for 35 children. Everybody's on mission for that. What is your part of that mission? And I thought that was so good. Break it up. We've got a big mission overall that we're all accomplishing together as a group. And then here's your specifics. And that was very helpful. It, it, we all need to know exactly what we're being hired to do within reason. I don't mean micromanagement. That's not the same as micromanagement. Right. Because when I give you this job description, I'm expecting you to do it. But at least then you know what I'm asking you to do. So. Yeah, I think that's really smart. And I'm, I wonder, sometimes people uh, maybe shy away or maybe have more open job descriptions so that to um, 
bring about innovation, creativity. Yes. And I think there's a balance, right? So you can put right. into your employee centric values that we value being innovative. And so you can have yep. a parameter uh, within which to work and you can have both, right? I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And a part of what I'm supposed to be doing is thinking about, I know we've done these things this way. Is this still the best way at this time, given what we're doing and given the climate? Right. Should we be changing? And you can even go back then and approach them by looking at the overall mission. Right. The overall mission is that we're going to provide a wonderful living environment for 35 kids. And you know what I think would be great is if they could do this on the way to school instead of that, you know, like, because then that's part of our overall mission. And even though I'm only doing one job, I'm part of this overall thing. And so I think you're right. That actually gives me space to be more innovative because I, I, I'm a part of this big mission, which is more general. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Lisa, one thing I'm really interested in is collaboration from the CEO to the part-time worker. When it's our company, we're all working here together. And that takes listening and trust, trusting the people who are leading the organization and pointing us, but also yeah. trusting that people who are just coming on have their own vision and own experiences. And collaboration yeah. is not compromise, right? But it is, right. it helps. And you're right. When we have these overarching values that the CEO and the line manager and the part-time worker are all understand and work towards, then it does lend ourselves to doing specifically our job, but also being open for the future. Right. Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Go out, go out and, and help all businesses, nonprofits. And you, I, I really do. I, I love your training. And I, I, I sat through your training. I, I went through your training thinking, well, you know, I mean, I'm a professional speaker. I'm not going to learn anything, but I mean, I'm going to be really supportive. And then I did learn so much about how that dynamic works. And I was fascinated by conflict in the workplace and how most people ignore it. And we think we're being adult by ignoring conflict in the workplace. But I thought you did a, a great job of breaking that down. So yeah, I'm so glad you're in this uh, space because we need it. Uh, can we go back to the 80s? And I want you to meet the guy that was I was working for. <laughs> no, after, no offense, but I'm sure he's gone on. So, <laughs> Well, I was blessed enough to be able to meet your lovely mother. But I yeah. want to go back to where you were working for her. And yes. um, that I can see from the little bit that I got to spend time with her, that she was this leader that you talked about. Yeah. And um, to have more leaders like that who are squarely in charge but le leading with compassion knowledge right. wow thank you so and you much. know what's so ironic mary she would have been the first person to hire you like she would have said oh man oh she's with workplace conflict oh yeah we need to have it's so funny you know healthy people go to the doctor and sometimes people that are on their last leg don't want to go. That's sort of ironic because I thought back how innovative she was. Like if I had said, oh, my friend, you know, has this workplace conflict. Oh, workplace conflict. Oh, yes, we're going to have a training. We want everybody to get together. And yet so much of what you talk about, she was probably already practicing. But that would have been a sign of how effective it is. You know, like yeah. she believed in great. If people are hesitant to get training on workplace conflict. That's, you know, it makes you, and, and I don't mean not like it questions their motives, but it makes me think, okay, now wait a second. 
Don't you want there to be an ease of workplace conflict? But anyway, yeah, she would have loved you, but she's no longer with us. Well, thank you so much for telling us about your lovely mother and your experiences. And I hope that our listeners have gained appreciation of Lisa Smart. And if you've heard her speak, she's absolutely fantastic. Her word of mouth is is A++. Uh, We love Lisa Smart. Lisa, how can people find you if they want to know more about your speaking or your books? Yes, it's very easy to find me, lisasmart.com. But we spell smart with two T's. So it's L-I-S-A-S-M-A-R-T-T.com. There's a place on there where you can send me an email or you can contact me through many different means on lisasmart.com. Oh, sorry. I, I forgot. Oh, that's somebody contacting me now. Wow. We must, we must have done this event live. Uh, it must be a very large corporation that's calling to hire me to speak. I'm sorry. I can't get up right now and turn that off, but I want you to know that that may be somebody very important calling to hire me for a very important job. But instead, I'm on a podcast with Mary Brown, Workplace Conflict. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lisa. Take care and have a lovely day. Thank you, Mary. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Conflict Managed. And thank you to Lisa Smart for reminding us of the importance of clarity, communication, kindness, and mission-driven leadership and the pitfalls of gossip and inappropriate behavior. Join us next Tuesday for more stories from the workplace and visions for healthy work environments. If you have questions for our guests, or would like to join in the conversation, please email me, Mary Brown, at 3pconflictrestoration at gmail.com. You can also find us online at 3pconflictrestoration.com and on Instagram and Facebook. And guess what? Our handle is 3pconflictrestoration on both platforms. Our theme music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Take care.